my friend Johnny Brown, he does this thing every week. It's called the Johnny Brown Twin City Showcase. And every Friday, he features a local artist. He has a band called Northern Light, which is led by Ryan Bynum, who is just a firecracker all by himself. So every Friday from 6 to 7 p.m., they feature someone. And so I got a chance to be the feature last week. And I haven't been a featured artist ever. Like I'm always, I sing background. I may step forward and sing a lead, sing a couple leads, and then I fall back. So that showcase was an opportunity for me to sort of step out and say, okay, I can do this. I can hold a show. Interludes, a pure Lighthouse production, brought to you by A1 Pest Masters. For all your exterminating and pest control needs, call A1 Pest Masters. And now, all the way live from the south side of Chicago, give it up for your host, Valerie Johnson. What do the alternative rockers, Soul Asylum, country boy John Denver, and R&B producers Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis have in common? It's not hitching a ride on a runaway train. Well, it's the same thing The Replacements, the Boogie Woogie Andrew Sisters, and Prince Rogers Nelson share. Not sure? Here's a hint. If they ever wanted to purify themselves in the waters of Lake Minnetonka, they may not need to use GPS. These musical artists are all members of the Minnesota Music Hall of Fame. Today, you might be getting a glimpse of a future inductee moving out of the background and into the spotlight. Now, most of us have at least one friend who swears they can sing. You turn on some music and it's like you bought a front row seat to their show you secretly wish they could go on the mass singer so you could hit mute. But you don't, because you're nice. And at least singing makes them smile. Well, you don't have to worry about that today. I should know. I used to lip sync next to her in the North Central College Voices of Praise VOP Gospel Choir. To my credit, I did sway on beat, and I wasn't lip syncing. When you hear her sing, you'll appreciate why she has an affinity for one of the few women who have performed for presidents and the king of Zumunda in the Eddie Murphy film, Coming to America. It's Gladys, Miss Knight, if you ask me. Not to mention the winner of the Patti LaBelle, Gladys Knight versus battle. As she was introduced at the NBA All-Star Game in Atlanta, a seven-time Grammy Award winner and the Empress of Soul. To hear this new voice, you wouldn't take a midnight train to Georgia, but a red eye to Minneapolis. Of course, you don't have to go anywhere. In the words of Mavis Staples, I'll take you there. Let's go on an escapade north to... Hi everyone, I'm Valerie Johnson and welcome to Interludes. I would love to introduce you to, she's a licensed counselor, and currently performing as a part of the Johnny Brown's Twin City Showcase in Minneapolis. Uh, she's a Chicago native. Welcome, Arnice Roberson. How are you? 
I'm well, I'm well. So I got to tell you, Arnise Roberson, that's my, my legal name. Uh -oh. But on stage and everywhere else, everybody calls me just Miss Arnise. Miss Arnise. Yeah, yeah, because uh -huh. Arnise Roberson is the mother of those two kids, and she was also married to that dude that she's not married to anymore. But Miss Arnise is who you see everywhere. Okay, <laughs> there it is. Oh my gosh. Um, most people know Minneapolis as the birthplace of Prince and the place where mm -hmm. Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis transformed little Janet into Miss Jackson, if you're nasty. Oh, right, right, <laughs> right. Since you've been there, what's the local Minneapolis scene like today? Mm -hmm. um, well, right today, it's, it's a little different than it has been because of COVID. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> but I've been really, really fortunate. I have been connected to a gentleman here whose name is Mick Sterling. And they call Mick the King around here because he has an opportunity, he has a platform that is is amazing um but when you think about the music scene before i get to talking about mick um when you think about the music scene in minneapolis there's a thing called the minneapolis sound and yeah. you mention jimmy jam and terry lewis um and prince you know they are instrumental for really sort of developing and crafting what people know as the minneapolis sound right, right. And so that, there's a slew of folks that have come out of Minneapolis, and then there are a whole bunch of local Minneapolis artists who just kind of do their thing and, and love it, and they sing around town, and they're in bands and, and things of that nature. Um, I started singing here in the Twin Cities with a woman named Kathleen Johnson, and she was doing a thing called Raising a Bar, but who brought me to Kathleen was my bestie, Kevin Jackson. Um, and Kevin Jackson had a band with his family for years ago called Kevin Jackson and Friends, which eventually became Mint Condition. So the Minneapolis sound. Wow. Mm -hmm. you know, I've been a fan yeah. of theirs for years. Wow. Yes, they are born and raised right here in the Twin Cities. So they are a part of the legacy of music that is the Minneapolis sound. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Um, what role do artists, singers, musicians have to their communities in times of crisis? Because you just mentioned COVID, like um, the aftermath of the police brutality, like Black Lives, Lives Matter marches and those mm -hmm. that we saw in Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. um, so, I'll say this, the role of musicians is really about helping people feel better, helping people be well. Um, and I can talk a little bit more about that as well, because Be Well is an entity that I have in development right now. Um, but the music really is healing, you know, for a long time after COVID began, everything was on lockdown, right? Everybody had to stay indoors and, you know, shelter in place and, and that whole thing. So that really put the shutdown on um, musicians and people who make their livelihood with the music. Um, and then in May, the George Floyd situation transpired. And right at that time, people were just starting to begin to move around a little bit. And so the music became a healing opportunity, both for 
the pandemic of what was happening with COVID and then the pandemic of social unrest that was happening um, as well in our society. And so I feel that musicians have a responsibility to bring forward a, the message of healing that needs to happen, but the music itself is just healing to the soul. And so our role is to, you know, bring that happiness because uh, as our great Frankie Beverly said, there's joy and there's pain happening. And so it's like sunshine and rain. And so we got to have both of them in balance. And the musician and the music musicology of what folks are doing helps to bring healing to the soul. And and since that time, how has life been in Minneapolis since the George Floyd mur murder uh, at the knee of the police? Yeah, yeah. You know, this town is is an interesting place. Folks here try to act like um, they are apart from the cultural unrest and and um, discrimination and things that happen. They, they try to act like, oh no, we all get along here, which I guess it's a family show, so I ain't gonna cuss. But, but what I really wanna say is that's BS. Um, you know, Minnesota is known for being, you know, oh, we're Minnesota nice. But Minnesota nice is a BS way of saying, I will smile in your face and stab you in the back or cut you at the knees when you're not looking. You know, I'm Nancy Kerrigan, you before you even realize it, it, it happened to you. Mm -hmm. You know, and so what the George Floyd situation did was sort of pull the, the scales from off of the eyes of people who tried to walk around blind, like this thing wasn't happening, like okay. inequity didn't exist, like you talking about, oh, I don't see color is is not BS because because it is and so you know immediately following um the situation with george floyd you know all the civil rest that that transpired and the protests and the riots and the um marches and things of that nature took place um and so there's this spirit of organizing that is in the air but then there's also this um this spirit of people feel like they need to do something, you know? And so you've got white folks who are building up philanthropic things and saying, hey, I wanna give, you know? Right. You you mentioned that I'm a licensed school counselor and, and I am, and I worked at Minneapolis North High for years. I worked for a nonprofit, but I was stationed, if you will, at North High. North High is the blackest school in Minneapolis. Wow. So it's like 98% African-American. It's mm -hmm. the smallest of the big seven high schools. There's seven ma major schools here in Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> now all of a sudden you have people who they want to give to North High, you know, which has kind of always been, been the culture, you know, that's where the black kids are. So everybody wants to write a grant to do some stuff <laughs> and, and, you know, do accountability work whatever um right now thankfully north high has a phenomenal principal who is like you hey man get out of here with that bs don't come at me with your grant and no real work and no real teeth behind a supporting these kids and b 
um, really making for real difference in the lives of kids and families. Right. Um, and so that's what the landscape is looking like right now. There's there's people who are wanting they want it, they want to give, they want to volunteer, they want to you know do this and that. Um, and so some of that has been really really good and created great opportunities. Some of it is you know as we would say in our days paper thin, <laughs> you know. And so it looks good on paper, um, but put your feet where your pen is or where your mouth is you know speak with your feet and do the work dig in with your hands and and do the work so before I transitioned into my current position at the district level I worked with North High and one of the things that I did was I ran the career and college center um, nice. <clears throat> and so there's people who I, and so I was also in charge of the scholarship process and just before I transitioned in November there's a couple families who came and said, we want to give money so that several North High students can go to school for free. They can go to college for free, wherever they, wherever they desire to attend, we want to support them so that when they get to the other side, they have no debt. To which I said, that's great that you want to do that. And thank you, thank you, thank you. However, you just giving a check doesn't help you. So what, what I'm saying is the change isn't happening within. If all you've done is written a check, you haven't really done the work. Right. So the work is about mentor a student, share your story, and you learn from them as well because the learning is a two-way street because they can teach you about who they are by you being embedded in their lives. You know what I mean? So they, they can teach you better than they can uh, tell you. They can show you better than they can just tell you, right? And so the learning is in, and the transformation is in, you build a relationship, not just write a check. You know, right. so. Yeah, and mm -hmm. you know, we're able to do more virtually than possibly we could do in person. And I'm assuming, are you guys back in person or are you still um, doing things virtually? So Minneapolis is in a mix right now. So the younger babies are back in person. Um, the, the littlest of the babies are back in person. Middle school just started uh, last week and they're working out the plan for high school to be in person within the next few weeks. So it's, it's happening in stages. Excuse me. Um, so it's happening in stages, but it's different district by district. So mm -hmm. my daughter is in high school. She's in 11th grade, as I said, and she started back in person today. So oh. today was her, her first day back in person. They tried a hybrid situation earlier in the fall and that didn't go well. Okay. <laughs> and so they went yeah. back to virtual. And so, so yeah. Yeah, and you had mentioned the best way that people could help is to mentor. Has anything been coordinated via Zoom for um, people that want to do things to mentor via virtually? Um, there's a number of different things happening where people can get involved. I don't know the full landscape, I'm not gonna lie. 
Um, but my roommate is doing some work as well with the the student-led response to the murder of George Floyd. And so she is working with a number of young people who are dynamic and on fire, and they are doing things where they are going out and having dialogue and doing some educating and and that sort of thing. So there's work there that, um, that can be done where people can hear from these young people. And I think that's really where the work is, is giving a voice to the young and letting everyone else hear from them because you know the child shall the children shall lead us you know so um so i i you know pat my roommate on the back a lot because she's doing some tremendous work um around data and youth-led voice and, and that sort of thing so yeah that's that's remarkable we our niece and i graduated from the same uh same college north central and um, we were in a choir and she just reminded me it was called Voices of Faith. Is that correct? Voices of Praise. VOP. 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 That was our, our thing. Um, when did you know that you were passionate about singing and what, what led you to like come back to that now in your life? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I have a couple of those sort of birthing, rebirthing moments. Um, (laughs) So I started singing in the choir when I was five years old uh, in Chicago at Liddell Progressive Baptist Church on 107th Michigan. (laughs) Um, And I was just telling this story last night. I I sang in what was called the Sunbeam Choir. And so (laughs) um, I was... We had little yellow robes, a little white collars, a little bow ties. (laughs) <laughs> just the whole cuteness. Um, and then I, you know, I sang in the choir all those years. And then um, in high school, they had choir. But my cousin was the one that she was in musicals and, and all of that. And I wanted to be in the musical so bad, but I was in a knowledge bowl. And I was the kid that was on Know Your Heritage, you know, stuff like that. So I did that stuff. So it wasn't until I got to college where I hooked up with Danielle, um, Danielle Smith Weddington now, because uh, she married college sweetheart. Um, and we entered a talent show at North Central and she and I won this talent show. And so I was like, wow, I can, I can sing. <laughs> and so then, you know, I continued to sing in the choir and, and do that through the years. And with my ex-husband, um, he was choir director, both for Voice of Praise and for our choir uh, here when we moved to the Twin Cities. Okay. Um, and then in 2009, my dear, dear friend, Kevin Jackson, who I mentioned before, asked me if I would if I ever thought about singing outside of church in, you know, some other situations. And that's how I got connected to Kathleen Johnson and Raising the Bar. So Raising the Bar was a thing that happened every Wednesday night at a club here called Arnella's. And Miss Arnella, rest her soul, she passed away a few years ago. She was the only Black woman in the state of Minnesota that had a liquor license and she owned her own club like she was the the lead and she's the only one in the whole state and so she 
you know, created this opportunity. And I started singing with Raising the Bar. I do like two, three songs and, you know, get out of the way for another artist. It was, you know, kind of like a showcase, like uh, what Mike Wombo saw, but actually live and in person in the club. Right. Um, and so I did that. And that's what start, sort of started me down this connection that has led to a variety of other opportunities. So, so yeah, I currently sing with Mick Sterling. I sing background for his Billy Joel tribute show. Mm -hmm. um, I also sing background for the Huey Lewis and the News show. Mm -hmm. um, I was also in a band called Finesse. And mm -hmm. so Jamie Greer, who's the leader of Finesse Band, um, we do gigs around town and, and that sort of thing. Um, but again, like I said, I was not the lead. I was a part of a collective. So I'm moving towards being the lead. And so here in town, there's people who lead different things. So I'm singing backgrounds on the Whitney Houston tribute show. Mm -hmm. So there's a woman who, Beverly Saverin, who she becomes Whitney. And like the Teddy Pendergrass show, I sing backgrounds on that and Johnny Brown becomes Teddy P. So the show that I'm working on is Gladys Knight. Um, so I will be the Twin Cities Gladys Knight. So look for that later this this year. That's that's gonna um, happen later this year. Yeah, because we we saw myself and Michael. We saw your turn during a recent live streaming concert. Um, you sang "Neither One of Us" by Gladys Knight, and talk mm -hmm. to me about your feelings toward Gladys and the showcase and and other showcases that you you say you're currently going to be working mm -hmm. on on that. So what what what's, mm -hmm. what's what's how do you feel about Gladys? Oh my gosh, I love Gladys. I I just absolutely love her, um, and have sort of watched her through the years. You know, I was one of those kids who. My grandmother used to play the music on the little little 45s in the house, <laughs> you know, and we'd yeah, listen to the same music here. on Saturday mornings and, same you here. know, all of that. Were, um, you, were, you, were you a Soul Train person, too? Because I used to. Oh, my God. Saturdays Soul, set everything. Mm -hmm. Soul Train was my bookend, you know, so I'd get up and have my bowl of cereal and watch the cartoons. And then when Soul Train came on, I knew that by the time I finished, with Soul Train, I also needed to be done with my chores because mom was gonna be coming home within two hours after that. Same so. here, same here. That's right. Because sometimes my mom would go down to like the Operation Push or something. She's like, "Now nah, I need mm -hmm. this area clean before I get back." So Soul Train would go off at a certain time. Right so, on. Same. Right on. Same trajectory. Oh my god. <laughs> yep. Yep. And that's hilarious because I say right on, and folks be like, "For real? Did she just say right on?" Yeah. <laughs> you, like, yeah, I, I did. I, I, I have a, there, Gladys Knight has so much music. And re, she was in a recent, um, what do you call this, versus battle with Patti LaBelle. Yes, um, yes, yes. Uh, who were, who were you who I was going to lead to. Yeah, and who were, you, who, were you, who were you rooting for when you saw that versus battle? Oh, man, that was, that was ridiculous. That was ridiculous. Uh, like, why would they, why would they, that's like trying to tell a parent to pick which child you love better. Exactly. You can't do that. <laughs> you just can't do it. And I love how Miss Patty and Miss Gladys, how they came together. And it wasn't, it, there was no competition. It was just a love fest. Yeah. It was absolutely love. And to see both of those ladies up there in their 70s doing the thing and looking fabulous and mm -hmm. gracious 
and wonderful. You know, I feel like both Gladys and Patty are just kind of unsung. You know, right. they are the the background, the backbone of so much amazing music in what we know as, you know, modern day R&B or whatever. Um, hang on one second. Text me what you're trying to say. Okay. Hey, bye. That See what I mean? How he always makes a cameo. Yeah, that was that was the son <laughs> making the cameo. Okay. Uh huh. Uh huh. Glad him on screen, but that was fun. But what what were you saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. That I was just saying that Patty and Gladys, they are just the backbone backbone of so much amazing music. And when you think about it through the years, they haven't been a part of scandal. And, you know, some of the other things that happens in the media, you know, and they live their lives. They're real people. You know, they've had their ups and their downs. They've been married and divorced and, you know, all of that. Um, but have maintained this, what I feel is just regality. You know, they are what I consider to be giants. You know, Miss Gladys is a giant when it comes to music and I am humbled for the opportunity to be able to sort of tribute her uh, here in the Twin Cities. So I I am, I have favorite songs from both of them um, uh, for, for Patti LaBelle. I think it's um, uh, Somebody Loves You and what's the other one? Um, if Only You Knew. I, I, I love those two. But one of my yes. favorites yeah, one of my favorites from Gladys actually comes from a, a soundtrack. It's uh, from Claudine, Make Yours a Happy mm. Home. Yes, a lot yes. Of people don't know about that. <laughs> a lot of people, they're like, I thought you say Midnight Train to Georgia or some other song. Right, Love, right. Board. I'm like, no, because I, I, it, um, because I'm a, I, I think like a filmmaker, I love the closing scene of Claudine and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. everybody walking together um, and she's no yes. superstar. I love you just a, so it, it speaks. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Yes. You yes. 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 It speaks to the whole <laughs> theme of the whole um, movie, and you just feel. I always felt this well up in my soul, like wow, you, 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 you pretty put pretty much put a period and an exclamation point on a film that mm -hmm. that 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 showed, which was very rare in the seventies you know, black families coming together, black unity, and just, and, and you just feel this sense of, ooh, I feel good. And, and I, I'm yeah. part of this family, no matter how dysfunctional things are, I'm so mm -hmm. happy. We mm -hmm. will make this a happy home. We make it yours a happy home. And I love the Pips yes. little part. Do, 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 do. If you, right. become the next, <laughs> if you become the next Gladys Knight, who would you pick to be your Pips? What would you do with that? Oh, man. If I could pick anybody to be my Pips? Or, okay. Anybody, oh, anybody. Man. Oh man, who who would I pick? Well, first of all, I gotta tell you a funny story about this. Okay. So as we're preparing for um, this show, okay. my Minnesota dad, his name is Willie Owens. Okay. And dad, dad, the, the producer of the show, Mick was like, you know, Arnice, it would be really cool if you had, you know, like an older gentleman to be a part of your pip, you know? Um, someone from here or someone who um, sings at church or whatever. And I was like, oh, I got the perfect dude, my dad. 
my dad is six foot five, 200 pounds, just thin, tall, drink of water. And he's got this baritone that just everyone, I told him, I said, dad, I called him up, I was like, dad, I'm working on this, this thing. I'm going to do Gladys Knight and I need pips. And dad, I need you. I need you <laughs> to be one of my pips. And he said, you want me? I said, yeah, dad, we want you. He said, you sure you want six foot five, 200 pounds? I said, dad, if we get you, we gonna have every woman in the Twin Cities over the age of 45 in the audience. <laughs> so. That would be me, that would be me. <laughs> exactly. Every woman in town would be, be in the audience. And then he said, well, baby, I don't know, I'm old. I said, Dad, you're not old. Are you kidding me? I said, well, if I can't have you, I guess I'm going to have to go with my second choice. He said, your second choice? I said, yeah, Billy D. And he said, what? <laughs> yes, Dad, my second choice to you would be Billy D. Williams. So <laughs> there it, it is. So he, he was so flattered. <laughs> yes. And, and did he go ahead and, and was, did he perform with you? No. No. He hasn't performed. He hasn't performed. No. No. That's Dad a, said no. He said no. Okay. Well, then He's that's still a work, work in progress. But meanwhile, mom was like, listen, I, I can figure out how to get him to say yes. And then I'm going to put some, um, some, some sparkles and some glitter on my, uh, my walker. And then when people come after the show, I'm going to say, which one you want to see? Which you want to see this this pip or Mr. Owen? <laughs> like, mom, you're a mess. <laughs> you're a mess. Oh my gosh. Uh, where do you see yourself um, in, over the next five years as a vocalist? Um, where do I see myself over the next five years? Um, gosh, I am, I, you know, I've been singing for a long time, but I still feel like I'm coming into my own. Um, because I, I never was the one out in front. I never was the lead and I'm in this space of, of gratitude and learning how to accept that I can and I'm enough and, right. and all of that kind of stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think in five years from now, I would like to be doing more stepping out in front and, you know, leading the band. There's some folks here in the Twin Cities who I look at and I'm just like, wow, if I could just have a small measure of what they're doing. And, you know, a friend of mine reminded me that, you know, you do, you have that. And so right. I want right. to be able to take the audience and put them right here in the palm of my hand and like spread the fairy dust, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so that, that's where I want to be. I want to be, you know, doing Gladys and hopefully Gladys becomes a thing that takes off and it becomes a regular thing that happens here in the Twin Cities. A tribute to Gladys Knight led by Miss Arnie. So. I, I like that. I like that. And could I get a couple of bars of uh, neither one of us? Just, just, just a little bit. <laughs> neither one. Listen, it's sad to think we're not going to make it. And it's gotten to the point. But we just can't fake it. But for some ungodly reason, we won't let it die. I guess neither one of us wants to be the first to say goodbye. 
goodbye. <laughs> I, can, I, can, I can see them on Soul Train right, right now. <laughs> right, 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 right. If, if people wanted to see your next performance virtually, um, mm -hmm. where would they go? Oh my gosh. Virtually, I don't know because we are starting to open up. So we actually have a live show coming mm -hmm. up. Um, I'm doing backgrounds with Miss Beverly Sovereign, who is doing Whitney Houston. And so the Whitney Houston show is happening live here at the Chan Hansen Dinner Theater on Sunday, March 14th. Mm -hmm. And let me just tell you, we have an amazing lineup of singers um, who are doing background, including myself and musicians, and it's going to be an amazing show. So that's happening on um, March 14th. Mm -hmm. And then we're also going to be doing that show again in May, May 28th and 29th at a place here called Crooners. Um, and so Crooners is where I was on this past Friday when we did Teddy Pendergrass. And so we're going to be doing Whitney Houston again. Um, and it's a smaller venue, but if people want to come and, and see it, please do. Um, I'm also going to be a part of the, the Johnny Brown Showcase. I'm sure again later in the rotation of artists. So as soon as I know when that date will be, I'll let you know and we can share it out so folks can see it. It was really cool when I did the showcase last week to have friends yeah. from NCC and, yeah. and um, my friends from Chicago. I had middle school kids, my middle school yes. friends logged in and said, Miss Arnie, we didn't know that you could do that. Yeah. So that was really cool. Yeah, because that, that's the reason why you're on the podcast. Michael saw it and he made me watch it and was like, uh, she sings phenomenal. And I'm thinking to myself, I knew that already, but I'm glad other people are discovering that too. If people wanted to contact you directly, how would they do that? Mm -hmm. So I am Miss Arnise on all platforms. So M-S-A-R-N-I-S-E uh, at Facebook, on Instagram, and on Twitter. <laughs> okay, make arrangements with your uh, your people to have it somewhat stream virtually, so we can we can still clue in and support you, our Chicago native. You understand? All right, ladies and gentlemen, Miss Arnice, thank you so much for coming. I'm Valerie Johnson. Thank you. I'm Valerie Johnson, and this is Interludes. <laughs> This week, the trial of police officer Derek Chauvin is scheduled to begin in Minneapolis. It is not the trial of George Floyd. George Floyd never received the courtesy of a trial. George Floyd was killed on the city streets. This week marks the first steps toward justice for George. If ever a city should be on our minds and in our hearts and prayers, it's Minneapolis, St. Paul. Businesses already are being boarded up out of an abundance of caution. The fear is that there'll be more fury, righteous or otherwise. On MSNBC, it'll be portrayed as a reckoning. On Fox News, it'll be derided as a riot. And somewhere in the middle, you might find the truth. This is the dilemma. In a recent interview on CBS, Floyd family attorney, Benjamin Crump, reminded Margaret Brennan and all of us that representation matters. Crump said, I know Attorney General Keith Elson, the first African-American Attorney General 
for the state of Minnesota is going to prosecute this case zealously. And that's why they move for third degree murder charges to be instated because they want to make sure that the jury has every option to hold Derek Chauvin criminally liable for the torture, the inhumanity, and the murder of George Floyd. No matter the duration or the outcome, our thoughts and prayers are with the Floyd family, friends, and all the people of Minneapolis. That includes all of you listening from the land of 10,000 lakes, including you, Miss Arnice. We will stay in touch with Miss Arnice throughout the year. If there is any doubt, I know one thing for sure. Music is the answer. You've heard that before, right? Allow me this interlude about good music. Music can bring healing to the wounded soul. Music can provide an emotional soundtrack to our lives and can help us get through anything. During this Women's History Month, let's highlight songs that have stood the test of time and those destined to make their mark by phenomenal women songwriters. Dolly Parton, Nina Simone, Carole King, all have won countless awards with Billboard, the American Music Awards, and of course, Grammys. Allow me to introduce a new class of women songwriting trailblazers. Janae Aiko, Taylor Swift, Her. And with these songwriters, I'm just scratching the surface. Women have contributed greatly to some of our most endearing songs over the last half century. Coming up next week, the 63rd Annual Grammy Awards, hosted by Trevor Noah, will air live on CBS Sunday, March 14th. I would like to focus on one of those categories, Song of the Year. In years past, some of my favorite women songwriters have been nominated for and won in these categories. Let's look at some of this year's nominees for Song of the Year. There is Her for I Can't Breathe. Taylor Swift for Cardigan, either Everything I Wanted by Billie Eilish or Don't Start Now by Dula Lipa could win. Both those songs were extremely successful despite the pandemic. Dula Lipa and Billie Eilish actively TikToked, documented, and campaigned on late night shows for the spotlight. And Taylor Swift, <laughs> she's a songwriting machine. But personally, I'm rooting for I Can't Breathe, performed by her. The artist never appears in the song's video. Instead, Black Lives Matter activists march with their I Can't Breathe signs, lighting the path toward justice on many city streets like Chicago, Brooklyn, Louisville, Los Angeles, and Minneapolis. For her, it's not about appearances. It's about letting the music speak for itself. On our next episode of Interludes, 
We will break down the nominees of the 93rd Annual Academy Awards announced on Monday, March 15th and scheduled to be given out on April 25th on ABC. We will highlight the accomplishments of women in the arts. Interludes will go live via our YouTube channel on March 15th. For more information, go to our Interludes Podcast Facebook page. Interludes, original concept by Valerie Johnson, written by Michael Womble, produced by Michael Womble and Valerie Johnson, original intro and outro music produced by Kendall Nesbitt. Interludes, a pure lighthouse production, brought to you by A1 Pest Masters. For all your exterminating and pest control needs, call A1 Pest Masters at area code 773-365-9962 or visit their website at a1pestmasters.com. When you book your appointment with A1 Pestmasters, tell them that you heard it first on the podcast called Interludes. Please subscribe and like our new YouTube channel called Interludes. <laughs>